Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today on the show, uh, I'm going to run you through a couple case studies of two vehicles that I've dealt with in the last uh, month, month and a half uh, with uh, very similar issues. Uh, Kind of a strange issue. They don't run into all the time, but uh, it's definitely out there. And so I wanted everyone to be aware of it because it's pretty uh, easy to, to miss or not even know that it's a possibility uh, unless you've heard of this or run into it before. So um, what we've got here is two vehicles that both have timing uh, camshaft crankshaft correlation codes um, in the set in the engine control module. And actually one of them didn't have a code when I first got there. But anyways, they both have correlation problems as far as the cam and crank being out of time but the actual engine mechanical valve timing you know the synchronization between the crankshaft and the camshaft and these are both chain motors is actually good it's actually not out of time mechanically the camshaft is where it's supposed to be in relationship to the crankshaft but the computer is actually perceiving that they are out of time. So we're going to go through uh, what I ended up finding on both of these vehicles and how you and I and anybody else can identify this through some testing, hopefully with little to no disassembly of the engine. So we can be confident in our diagnosis. You know, We can sell the job to the customer without taking anything apart. Uh, that's the goal most of the time, but I think we can do it in a lot of cases with these vehicles too. Um, and if nothing else, it's just good to be aware that this is a possibility on some vehicles. Not going to happen every day, but you might run into it. So let's go through this. Uh, The first vehicle that I have is a 2015 Chevrolet Equinox. This is the 2.4 liter Ecotec engine, dual overhead cam, chain motor. And I'm sure most people are aware that these engines have a lot of timing problems. Traditionally, you know, the GM used a number of iterations of the motor, but, um, even with the 2.2 and the 2.4 and the direct injection, the different kinds, they all had timing chain issues, especially with lack of maintenance. You know, people don't change their oil or maintenance their vehicles enough, and these things <laughs> tended to have a lot of different timing chain issues. So uh, the reason I'm saying that is it's pretty well known, even by the shop that I was going to, that... Uh, these things definitely can and do jump time for a number of reasons. You can have phaser issues and tensioner issues and the chain and the guides and all that stuff, right? Um, but it's very common to have that on these engines, on these 2.4 Ecotec engines. So um, the reason they called me into this shop was this was actually a no start. And I don't 
really think that the shops suspected timing on this one. They just weren't sure why the vehicle was not starting. That was a crank, no start. And the customer said it had died on the road. And when I got there, there was no codes in the uh, ECM. I have a feeling that they were actually cleared out by the shop at some point, um, but I can't confirm that. But I didn't have any codes to go with. And this is kind of where the shop ran up against a wall as they didn't have any trouble codes to work with either. So uh, they weren't really sure why this thing wasn't starting. Uh, they had confirmed that it had spark, uh, that it had fuel. Um, but beyond that, they you know didn't really know where to go with this thing. So I verify, of course, it's a uh, crank no start and it will crank over and it sounds pretty good as far as the compression goes. And that's one of the things I always like to note is I like to listen to the engine as it's cranking over. Um, you know, even if you're chasing a misfire, do a clear flood and just listen to the engine. You know, has it got a dead spot in it somewhere or is it smooth across the board? And most of us know what an engine should sound like as it's cranking over, just that repetitive um, push that the starter's got to make for each compression stroke, right? And this engine sounds really good as it's cranking. Um, now it doesn't sound like it's even attempting to start, right? It's not like it's, um, hitting on a couple cylinders and not others. It's just a smooth crank. And every once in a while I'd get a little pop, um, but it was very infrequent and it wasn't enough to actually start the engine, but I did hear just a little bit of something. So <laughs> something was happening, but uh, not enough to get this thing to run. So I'm going to go through and just verify, you know, what the shop had checked, which is spark and fuel. And I just want to make sure that those are present. I'm fairly confident just listening to the compression that I have enough for the engine to at least run. Um, and it doesn't sound uneven, um, but uh, let's go for fuel and spark here and see where we end up. So I uh, end up finding out, okay, it does have fuel. It does have spark. All right. So we've got the three things that we need for an engine to run, but for some reason it's not air, fuel, and spark. And of course uh, we want to think of some other things like maybe it's a fuel quality issue, right? I've run into that plenty of times where, um, you know, whatever has been put into the gas tank, whether it be bad fuel, water, or something else, that'll prevent an engine from running. Even though you have fuel pressure and you have injector spray, uh, it doesn't actually combust, right? I had a Toyota with water in the tank not that long ago. Uh, the plugs were, you could actually see the droplets of water on the plugs themselves, right? Uh, so this is one thing I'm considering. So I actually pulled a couple of the spark plugs out of this thing just to see what they look they looked like, right? Are they fouled? Um, do I see signs of something like water or something else on them? And they actually looked relatively new. They weren't brand new, but they must have been replaced at some point uh, in the recent past. Uh, so it's not like they were really old plugs. And although you don't see this much during the summer, um, especially around here in Minnesota, Spark plugs can cause a no start and often do. And sometimes that can actually be uh, a really deceiving problem uh, because it's not always visual, right? It's just sometimes you have a bad set of spark plugs, you know, they're just worn out. We actually run into this at the school a lot because our school vehicles, the ones that belong to the program, they don't actually get driven, right? They go in and out of the shop, get beat up by students and that's it. And so the plugs actually end up getting very black from running red because they're just in startup mode most of the time. And they'll just get to the point where it will not start the engine. 
even in a 70 degree shop. And it's, I remember the first time I ran into it, we kind of chased our tail a bit because we were getting spark if you tested it out of the coil or the plug wire, but it wasn't actually enough to, you know, jump the gap and start the combustion in the cylinder, right? So replace spark plugs. So anyways, back to what I'm doing on this car. I just want to check these things out. They look good. They're not fouled out. Okay. So where are we going next with this? So at this point, I decided I wanted to check out the cam and crank signals just in case. Um, I was getting RPM on my scan tool, and like I said, there wasn't any codes. Um, but I do want to see uh, the cam and crank signals on this thing because there is a potential that maybe there is a timing issue that could be causing this as well. Because um, that's the other thing, going back to our three things that we need, air, fuel, and spark, um, as far as the fuel and the spark go – we really need those timed correctly. Um, and especially the spark, right? That has to happen at the right time if we want our engine to start and run. And the computer is going to use the cam and crank signals in order to do that. So I do want to check those out before I go any further. And this is a pretty easy test to do on this engine. Um, you can either get right to the cam sensors or you can go to the ECM, which is on top of the battery, and you can hook up to the crank and the cam signals. It's just three signals. Uh, use my Pico, pull that up. And luckily these engines are so common. Uh, you can find a known good just about anywhere. And pretty much all of these Ecotech engines, the cam crank patterns are the same. Uh, you know, always double check. You want to try to find something to compare to that's as close to what you're working on. But uh, these are very common and you can use the same pattern for a lot of these engines. So anyways, I do this and I have some saved files on these. Um, I'm just cranking it, looking at my cam and crank, um, both exhaust and intake uh, versus the crankshaft signal, and immediately I can see that it's way off. Uh, specifically, the exhaust camshaft waveform is 120 degrees off from where it should be compared to my known good. And that's crankshaft degrees, not camshaft degrees. But that's still a significant amount um, that that camshaft is off. So I made the right call here to check this, and I think we're definitely on to something here. This would cause the engine to either not fire the fuel or the spark at the correct time. Uh, maybe if at all, I don't know the exact default strategy. Uh, my guess is it's just firing everything at the wrong time. Uh, so I get a little pop every once in a while, but it is definitely not enough to start and run this engine. But my question now is, is this vehicle actually out of time? Is the exhaust camshaft really moved 120 crank degrees away from where it's supposed to be? Okay. And this is where, um, kind of the point of this episode is what can we do as technicians uh, to verify that the engine is actually mechanically out of time or is something else going on that's causing this reading, uh, you know, the signal from the camshaft to present itself the way that it is. So, and there's a few reasons that this thought pops up into my head at this point in the diagnosis. Number one, it sounds really good. And that's one of the more obvious signs that this thing's not really out of time. Is when I crank this thing over and it doesn't start, besides the one pop I'd get every once in a while, it sounds great. Okay. And so if an exhaust camshaft was really 120 degrees out from where it normally would be, 
I'd expect this thing to sound very poor when it cranks over. You know, maybe it would be fast, maybe it would be labored at points. It depends on, you know, which direction the camshaft is moved, but it wouldn't sound the way it does. So right there, you know, I'm suspicious that, you know, is this reading out of this camshaft sensor accurate? Now, and I shouldn't note that the pattern looks good out of the camshaft sensor. It's not like it's a bad sensor putting out a wrong pattern. It's just shifted over from where it's supposed to be 120 crank degrees, okay? So, again, um, the other reasons that I'm considering this is, one, I, you know, that it sounds good, but two... I actually am aware that this can happen on these engines. I've heard of it before. Um, I've read case studies on it, and there's actually a service bulletin for this engine as well that references exactly what's happening. So I am aware of this problem going into it. And so that's kind of my line of thought now is that, okay, this engine may not actually be out of time as far as this cam sensor, the exhaust cam says that it is. But how can we confirm this? You know, it's my suspicion that the engine is in time and something else has happened, but how can we confirm this? And what exactly are we looking for? Uh, going back to the service bulletin and known problems on these, what happens is the tone ring or the tone wheel, the relucture wheel, whatever you want to call it, which is located on the backside of the camshaft. Okay. And this is just a pressed on ring. It's metal and it has teeth that come off of it. And these are what is going to actually interact with the Hall effect cam sensor. Um, it's just pressed onto the back of the camshaft. But what can happen is, and I'm assuming with a high level of heat, which we definitely have been experiencing around here lately, the metal can shift, that ring can shift its position on the camshaft, right? So the camshaft in relation to the timing chain and the crankshaft has not moved. Um, and now these are phased, they have phasers on them as well. But the actual timing of that camshaft and the phaser in relation to the chain and the crank have not shifted, have not jumped at all. It is perfectly in time. But what did change was the ring on the backside of that camshaft. It shifted, right? Or that's what the service bulletin indicates. That's what I've seen happen. And that's what I'm suspecting on this engine. But back to our testing, right? I haven't taken anything apart yet. Um, and actually the service bulletin um, has you pull the valve cover and it shows you the position of that tone wheel based on the cam lobe position. And you do some comparisons with uh, using the uh, top of the cylinder head and you can tell whether this thing shifted or not. So they give you a way to check this. But my goal is to confirm this without taking anything apart, right? I'll let the shop take stuff apart. But when I give them a diagnosis, I just want to tell them this is what you got to do. This is what you need to replace or maybe take it apart and check this. But I'm pretty sure this is what you're going to find, right? So I want to do some more tests to verify this. So what do we do to confirm that an engine is actually in time when the cam sensor says that it's out. And I'm going to give you a few things that you can do here. Um, now you'll need the tooling, but I'll give you a few different options here, um, what you can check to confirm if your reading is correct or not as far as engine mechanical timing goes. So the first thing that I did, I want to actually give credit to someone, Daryl Corin 
I think I'm saying his last name correctly. He's on Facebook, super smart guy. He actually had posted an interactive case study in a uh, technician group a couple of years back with this almost identical problem on a Saturn. And he went through it and he was asking people to, to um, you know, perform an imaginary test on his engine and he would give feedback and he walked us through it. And the only reason I know to, you know, do this test in this scenario to confirm something without taking it apart was thanks to his case study. So I wanted to just give him credit there. But back to the test, what I'm doing here is using an in-cylinder waveform. So WPS is what I use. There are other options out there, but I'm going into the cylinder, removing the spark plug, and looking at the pressures in the cylinder. Now, in this case, it's going to be a cranking waveform. Um, But here's the deal. If that exhaust camshaft is actually out 120 crank degrees, I am going to know it based off the pressures that are happening inside of that cylinder. Now, like I said, I should be able to hear it as well, but with the in-cylinder waveform, we can say for sure whether that camshaft is out as far as it says it is, or if it's in time, right? And we can compare it to a known good, or in a scenario like this, right, 120 crank degrees, we're going to be able to see that. If you've looked at any in-cylinder waveforms before, this will stand out like a sore thumb. It will look nothing like it's supposed to, right? Whether that camshaft's advanced, retarded, doesn't matter. It's going to stand out very clearly if it actually is out that far. Now, in this case, it did not look like a great waveform. And really all you see cranking is the compression peaks, but there was uh, nothing else that looked like it was out and the compression level itself was where it needed to be, right? So based on the waveform I see in cylinder, that exhaust cam, those cam lobes and the valves, that's all happening at the right time. My camshaft sensor and tone ring is basically lying. It's not telling us what's actually happening with the camshaft because it has shifted position, or at least that's what I suspect. So the last thing I did here, um, put the spark plug back in, I unplugged the exhaust camshaft sensor which is easy enough to do. You just unhook it. And I cranked the engine over. I had a little bit of an extended crank, which is normal if you lose a cam signal on certain engines. But I had a little bit of an extended crank. This thing fired up and it ran great. Okay. We could check engine vacuum. It would look awesome. There's no misfires. It was running very smoothly. And I didn't drive it down the road, but running in the shop, it was running great. So once again, this confirms that our exhaust camshaft is not actually off that far. Okay. So on an engine like this, um, if you have this scenario, one of the easiest ways to do it might be just to unplug a cam sensor, right? And see if the engine starts. If it starts and runs good, you have good vacuum, all this stuff. Um, then you can say for sure, yeah, it's not out as far as, um, my scope pattern. Uh, says that it is. And that is an important piece is being able to scope the cam and crank and see how far out is this from where it's supposed to be. And you need a known good for that and a multi-channel scope. But um, with all that stuff, we can be very confident 
without taking anything apart. I was very confident in telling this shop, you need an exhaust camshaft. Now, I showed them the pictures of the service bolt-in. I said, you can take off the valve cover, you can verify, you can get a new camshaft, compare it, whatever you need to do. Here's the info, but this is what you're going to find. Okay, so they did that, replaced the exhaust cam, and they actually called me back um, after they did this and said it was setting a P0016, which is intake cam timing. Um, so I came back, I was like, okay, I'll check it out. Um, and I scoped it and it was off a little bit on the intake cam. Now I was running at this point, it started and ran, but it would set this intake timing code. And so I went back and I looked at my original capture that I made and the intake was on, it was right on the money in comparison to the crankshaft, but now it's off. So I can be pretty confident that they messed up the timing on this camshaft. And that's what I told them. I was like, hey, it was in time. Here's the proof. Here's what it was before. Now it's off. You guys must have missed a tooth on the intake. They took it apart. They said that's what it was. Fixed the timing. Good to go. So um, that was that one. A uh, little bit of extra at the end there. But again, the point is, is how can we confirm that it's a shifted tone ring um, and not the actual engine out of time? couple uh, examples of tests we can do there. Okay. So uh, the next vehicle um, is a 2015 Dodge Charger with a 3.6 liter. Uh, this engine was running um, and actually running pretty well, uh, but it was setting a P0018. And the definition for this code is a bank to intake cam correlation. Uh, before I got there, the shop had replaced the cam sensor, which actually um, covers both intake and exhaust for bank two. It's a dual sensor and you have one on each bank. It's a V6 engine. Um, and they had swapped the cam actuators. And these are magnets that sit on the front of the valve cover and activate a spool valve to activate the phasers. Okay. So there's a variable valve timing for cam engine intake and exhaust cam for each bank. Right. But the code we are setting, um, and actually the code info says bank two sensor one, correlation. And a note that I wanted to make here in case you're not aware, when manufacturers refer to sensor one, as far as I've always seen, that means intake. When they refer to sensor two, and again, this is camshaft sensors we're talking about here, it would be referring to the exhaust. Okay. Now, obviously bank one and bank two, I think you can figure out, but one has always been intake as far as I've seen, and two has always been exhaust. As far as I've seen, uh, you also see A and B actually on some applications and A would be intake and B would be exhaust. Now I'm sure there's probably an example out there where that's incorrect, but for the most part, uh, that's what I've seen. And the code says bank two sensor one. So that would be bank one intake camshaft correlation. Again, stating that the timing of the intake camshaft on bank two is not where it needs to be in correlation to the crankshaft. Okay. Timing's off. And the shop had done a couple things, but they hadn't torn down the engine to check the timing yet. My goal here is to figure out, is the engine actually out of time or is there something else going on? So, you know, I'm always thinking about the variables and the possibilities as I'm going into this, what do I need to consider? And we should always be doing that, right? Um, of course, this is easier with more experience and you've uh, been through uh, different scenarios and you've seen different things happen. Um, but just considering the possibilities 
of what you need to check for or what could happen when you go into a diagnostic, I think salt is important. So the things I'm thinking of here when I went into this one, um, of course, the timing could actually be off. That would not be a huge surprise. Um, could be a phaser, could be a timing chain, right? One of those two, um, you know, in the timing chain, obviously there'll be stuff as to why it jumped, but that could be the cause of the timing being off. The phaser could have an issue where it's stuck or not moving. Um, of course, and that's something too, is I want to consider when is this code setting, right? Is it as soon as the engine starts when the engine's not being phased? Um, and you'd have to check scan to a data to confirm that, but is it setting when the VVT system is activated and the cam's not moving to its position, or is it setting when the VVT system is not being activated and it's just always out of time? That's going to send me different directions, right? Uh, maybe they have some bad new parts, right? <laughs> just because they swapped uh, parts around and put in a new sensor doesn't mean that they're good. I'm running, running into that all the time lately where new parts are failed. So you don't always want to consider what's been replaced as good. Um, and of course, finally, the other thing I'm considering is a slipped uh, tone ring on this one. Now, the tone ring on this one is a little bit different. It is on the back of the camshaft. Uh, there's one on each camshaft, but it's a magnetic tone ring. So this doesn't have metal teeth. Now it is pressed on to the back of the camshaft, but it's a little bit different. Um, keep in mind on these three sixes, if you have the camshafts out of the engine, uh, you don't want to put those tone rings near each other or near any other magnetic um, device or surface uh, that will actually destroy the tone rings and it will destroy the signal that comes out of them. And then you're going to have to replace the camshaft. Uh, so make sure that you're uh, cautious with those if you're taking them out of the engine and intend to put them back into service or if you have a new one. Um, I think they say in the service info, you're not even supposed to set them on a metal bench. Um, but just take note of that, uh, that the tone wheels on these things are pretty sensitive to magnetic fields, right? But that's where the sensor reads from is the back of the camshaft. And it's a possibility that that tone ring is shifted. I have read about case studies with these engines where this has happened. So again, it's on my mind, just like it was with the Equinox, but let's go into this and let's see, cause maybe the timing's just out, right? So first thing I note is that this code sets immediately on startup, right? So I can clear it, I can start up the engine, and as soon as the engine is running, it sets this P0018, uh, same code every time. Okay, so this is consistent. And based off of the data PIDs, the VVT system is not being commanded on, and so this would indicate to me that the engine is just out of time, or, you know, the specifically the intake camshaft on bank two is out of time all the time, meaning that, you know, either a phaser is stuck in the wrong position or the timing chain has jumped or maybe a tone ring. But that's my next goal is to confirm which one is it, what's actually happening here. What does the shop got to do to fix it? Um, there's actually another pretty helpful data PID on this. And I actually, I think this is on the, um, the Chevrolet as well, but I utilized this one here because the engine was running, uh, was the actual cam crank difference in crankshaft degrees. It's a data pit that you can look at on the scan tool, which I did. And for this intake camshaft, it was 33 degrees, meaning that where the computer expects that camshaft to be in relation to the crankshaft, it's off 30 degrees. So not quite as much as our 
uh, Equinox, um, but that's still enough off to cause some issues, obviously enough to set a code. I think the threshold is like 10 degrees or something like that where it'll set the code. Um, but it's saying that it's 30 and that's consistent, right? As long as the engine's running, it's saying it's 30 degrees off from where it's supposed to be. Okay. So again, let's see if we can confirm this. Um, I did look at things like engine vacuum and misfires. All right. So this is a uh, V-style engine. And if our intake camshaft is actually out 30 degrees, I would expect to see maybe a little bit of a difference in engine vacuum, right? If the engine is not breathing the way it's supposed to, uh, that would be affected. And I might expect to see a few misfires on this side of the engine as well. I didn't see either of those things. Now, those alone aren't enough for me to make a call, but I was in the scan tool and I just glanced at those things. Okay, so I just made a note of that. Now, on this one, an in-cylinder waveform would be great, especially because it's a V6 engine. I have a known good side of the engine to compare it to. I don't even have to go searching uh, for another known good from someone else or what I have saved. I can use the other side of the engine and compare these two. And I could really dial it in to see, okay, is my valve timing off? Is the intake opening and closing off by 30 degrees? Um, or not compared to the other side of the engine. Problem is on this 3.6, the intake plenum covers bank two coils. So unless I want to pull the intake plenum, which again, my goal is to disassemble as little as possible, <laughs> um, I can't uh, get in there to remove a spark plug and go in cylinder. Okay. Well, what else can I do here? Um, oh, and I did want to note, I forgot this. I did check the cam and crank correlation with a scope only because I wanted to verify that the signal coming out of that camshaft sensor was correct. And it was compared to a known good, the signal out of the camshaft sensor did look good. Um, but I did that before I moved on to the next test, which because I couldn't do a in cylinder, I still want to compare the breathing and the compression of the engine. And really what I'm looking at here, having a V6 where one side is not out, at least according to the computer, having one side that's not out, I have kind of a known good that I can work with and compare it to bank two. So I'm comparing bank one to bank two. And what I'm going to do here instead of going in cylinder is just look at relative compression and I'm going to put a pulse sensor in the intake, right? Especially because this is the intake camshaft. And so what I'm thinking here, again, if that intake camshaft is off by 30 degrees, our pulls in the intake, when those valves open and close, should be different. And it should affect the compression. Um, and note that an advanced camshaft intake camshaft can actually cause higher than normal compression, but either way, we should see some difference side to side if that camshaft is actually moved. Okay. So, uh, I do just that do a clear flood. I'm doing relative compression and I'm going to do the intake pulse. And actually, now that I'm thinking about this, the clear flood didn't work quite the way I wanted it to, because if I have the throttle wide open, my intake poles don't look great. Uh, so in this case, I ended up, um, I don't remember if I unplugged the the ASD or the injectors or wh whatever was easiest to get to on it. I wanted to have the throttle closed while I was cranking it without it starting. Um, so anyways, I did that. And so I had the compression waveform 
from the starter, which all the peaks were even. I mean, they were like dead on. And I had the intake poles from inside of the intake manifold as the engine is cranking over with a closed throttle. So we were, uh, you know, building a little bit of vacuum, but it really shows up on the pulse sensor each time one of those pistons uh, goes down on its intake stroke, right? And the intake waveform, just like the relative compression, was dead on. There was no different cylinder to cylinder. So based on what I saw, you know, with the scan tool, 33 degrees of, you know, crankshaft difference. If you figure that's half on a camshaft because it's going to move half speed, it's only 15 degrees of rotation of a cam, but that's still quite a bit. That's going to change when those intake valves open and when they close. And so that's going to cause a difference in that those intake poles in the compression of the engine, or at least it should, right? It's a smaller amount than the Equinox, so it's not as obvious, but I should see some difference there. Um, plus this with an actual pretty smooth running engine with no misfires, I am really, really considering that the tone wheel has shifted here. So what I told the shop was, hey, I am very confident that what you're going to find is that the tone wheel is shifted. But when they pull this thing apart, I don't have a visual for them to check, right? Not like the teeth that you can obviously see on the Equinox. This is a magnetic strip. And I'm sure there's probably some way you could figure it out to visually confirm that this thing is shifted. Maybe just comparing it to a known good, but I wanted them you know, to be sure before they order parts. Here's what I told them to do. I was like, just check the timing of the engine. And you can actually do this on these by just yanking the um, uh, the camshaft actuators, the magnets. And you can get in there with a mirror and flashlight and verify that this thing is in time based just on that. And that's what I had them do. I said, just verify that this thing is mechanically in time by pulling a few things apart. And if it is, you need a camshaft. They did that. That's what they found. It needed a camshaft. Now, unfortunately, the customer declined the work on this one because I wanted a picture of the back of the camshaft to see, um, you know, is there something visible there? Can we identify what's going on with that tone wheel? Um, of course, I didn't get to do that, but uh, camshaft would have fixed this vehicle uh, had the customer not declined the work. Uh, who knows? Maybe they're going to try to do it themselves and they'll end up back at the shop. But <laughs> either way, we were able to figure that out. So, okay, those are my two case studies. Um, both were shifted camshaft reluctors or tone rings. Uh, remember, these can be, you know, pressed on in various ways, um, but they do have the potential to rotate on the camshaft itself. And so the computer is going to perceive the engine being out of time when the engine is not actually out of time. But you got some test methods now uh, to utilize uh, if you suspect this is a scenario that you have. So um, key takeaways from here, just uh, to re reiterate some of this stuff, um, always be aware of how the ECM measures the timing of the engine, right? There are some engines where this isn't really possible based off of the tone ring, right? There are some that are just mechanically part of something like a gear or a sprocket, um, and there's no potential for them to slip. So understanding the construction of what you're working on is important. Um, and consider this can happen on a crankshaft as well. You know, you can have crankshaft reluctors that slip or are out of position and cause all kinds of weird problems like we're dealing with here. Um, and there might be some different methods there to confirm it. Um, 
but you will be using stuff like in cylinder um, and looking at, at ignition timing and thing, things like that. But just consider how is this thing constructed? Where is the tone wheel that I'm using or that the computer is using to determine engine timing? And is there a potential for this to be installed wrong or shifted in some way? Right. And that's just something we want to have on our minds as we go into these vehicles is how are they built? What could go wrong? What are the variables? What are the possibilities? Number two, let's use the mechanical state of the engine to confirm that our timing is actually out. Right. Our computer, our sensors are telling us that it's out by however much. Let's use the mechanical state. Remember, if the engine's actually out that far, 120, 30 degrees, there'll be mechanical signs, compression issues, breathing issues, misfires, vacuum, the sound. I mean, that's one of the easiest ways. Listen to the engine when you crank this thing over. Does it sound smooth? Does it sound like it has good compression? Let's use relative compression. All these different things we can look at and say, is this thing as far out as it says? And that's actually my third point here is this could potentially happen where the tone ring only shifts slightly, maybe 10 degrees. That is going to be tougher to make that call, right? Not impossible. We can still use maybe some in-cylinder waveforms and get real detailed with stuff, but it is going to be a much more challenging call. The farther off this thing is, like the Equinox, 120 degrees, I can tell for sure if an exhaust cam is actually out 120 based on compression, based on engine breathing, based on in-cylinder waveforms. But, you know, 10 degrees, that might be kind of tough. So do keep in mind a small shift in a tone wheel is going to be much more challenging to identify. And who knows, you might have to take some stuff apart at that point. But that's why we want to know how far off is it from where it's supposed to be? And does it actually make sense based on what I'm seeing? And in these cases, it didn't. You're going to see mechanical signs uh, from the engine if it's off a large amount. And finally, the fourth one I had, uh, don't forget, uh, in a no-start scenario like the Equinox, try unplugging the sensor that you've identified is telling the computer that the engine is way, way off, okay? And now if it starts and runs smoothly at that point, you may have identified your problem just like that um, because the engine actually is in time, and when it stops observing that sensor signal, um, then it actually fires everything at the correct time, runs the engine good. Uh, you can be pretty confident in your call at that point. So uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Hopefully you got something out of that, enjoyed that episode. But other than that, let's get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time.